Welcome to the Hammer and Rails podcast this evening, this afternoon, this morning, or wherever you happen to be. Uh, if you happen to be in the Northern Hemisphere, of course, in north of the Arctic Circle, you may even get it all day. So welcome to the Hammer and Rails podcast. We are here and we have something very, very special to talk about today. Some wonderful news all Purdue fans heard. Yes, Walk on Grady Eifert is coming back for his sophomore season. Juan, we just we just got to give Grady a big applause it. here. We, we did, did it, guys. We got him home. Final uh, four. We got bound. him to stay. Uh, yeah, we will. We our goal is to get him now the Club Trillion Trophy for the 2017-18 no 2016-17 season. I saw a tweet. I don't know who it was because uh, John Calipari had everyone on his team declare for the draft, even the walk-ons. He, so they're saying one of the walk-ons should just say he's staying in the draft just to screw with Calipari. After uh, Marcus there decided to not only withdraw his name from the draft but also announce his transfer from Kentucky. Yeah, that- that, that was some shocking news there. We've got Grady. He's the key aspect. How many points did he average this past year? And I know we can rely on that just game in, game out, too. Oh, I I can't recall. It was a high number, I can tell you that. Um, uh, according, according to Purdue Sports here, uh, well, he averaged almost 16 points a game uh, in his senior year at Bishop Dwinger. So there you go. You, you just you put hey, that in right there. Hey, that's more of what I could do. I was a bench warmer in middle school. <laughs> And then his first season at Purdue, I mean, 11 games, he had two field goals in the year and a solid six-tenths of a point. I mean, you just, how, can, how can he turn down the NBA with those statistics? I know. It's, we got lucky. I have to say that. Yeah. We, we're blessed. We're blessed. Uh, obviously, if you guys can't tell by now, we are definitely kidding. Uh, Grady, we love you. Yeah, we do love you, Grady. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in the bench mob and some elaborate celebrations next year. So if you're listening to this podcast, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I hope you're a good sport about this. Uh, but of course, the big news is Caleb Swanigan. He is back. Biggie is back. And uh, right now is about the time that you start playing some hypnotize there, Juan, when you do the edit. Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't want to deal with any copyright infringement. Okay, well, if if we didn't want to worry about copyright infringement, this is where we would be playing hypnotize, as I did today <laughs> in our post. And uh, yes, I was blasting it as loud as I could in my headphones uh, at work when we got the news. So uh, huge news. Uh, and Juan, Juan was the all-star with all the gifts today on, on the Hammer and Rails Twitter account, too. Oh, thank you. It took me a while to find those Cookie Monster gifts, okay? Especially the one where he's peeking above the window. That one took some time to find but I, that's the what that's the gift i was proudest of because it's true you just you know yes. popping up to see every 10 seconds anything nope okay and, and i looked it up to see if it was the same day if it was may 25th last year when he committed but no it was may 19th so i'm really not wanting this to become an annual tradition in fact i would be surprised if it became an annual tradition because uh if we had to wait it out this time most likely he's gone next year at this time unless he severely regresses wouldn't you say yeah I'd say the same thing. Um, but I mean, that's something I want to look forward to. I want to look forward to Swanigan having an amazing year this upcoming year. And come April, he just quickly declares with an agent mm-hmm. and says, thank you, Purdue. And there's nothing wrong with him coming back for a second year either. I mean, this is beneficial for him and uh, for Purdue as well. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. 
as I, as I said on Twitter earlier today, the last time that Purdue had a Mr. Basketball from the state of Indiana, and he was in his second season on the team, it won the Big Ten, first out of three straight Big Ten titles, uh, went to the Elite Eight, and that re- returning player was the number one overall draft pick in the uh, draft. So, I mean, the ceiling, the, the sky's the limit with that. You think we could repeat that or no? It's possible. I mean, Purdue's guard play is going to be m- much better than it was last year, I think, if Spike can stay mm-hmm. healthy as well. Because that mm-hmm. was the key thing. I remember last year at this time, even after Johnny Hill transferred, people were the 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 people outside of Purdue were like, "Well, yes, they have an amazing centers in the front court, but they still have trouble with the guard play." And we were like, "Screw you guys! You don't know Purdue. How are you going to know this?" And then, sure enough, that's actually what ended up killing us all the time. But mm-hmm. now this year, like those same public people are saying, are actually have a bit more confidence in Purdue, even though we're losing Rafael Davis and AJ Hammonds. I'm, at this point, I'm not going to make any predictions. I just I can say that we should win the first round game, please. please. Uh, we should we we should have we should have won the first round game the last two years. But this is true. And and I do want to clarify. I, I don't think that Biggie's going to be the number one overall pick. Uh, you know, I would love for that to happen. That would be absolutely fantastic. And for him to be the number one overall pick, it's probably going to take him just having a monster season, leading Purdue to a national title or at the very least a Final Four. So if that were to happen, then yeah, let's, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and he <laughs> seems to be looking now more towards the first round to have that guaranteed money. Because apparently here, according to the Journal and Courier, he texted. ESPN's Andy Katz and said I'm going back to school I feel like I'm only a second round pick and I can do better than that which is completely different from what we heard after the combine he was saying if mm-hmm. I could be the 60th pick I will go but he now here he's saying it's like you know what I can be a little bit more patient and I, I'm betting that that was a lot of that came from advice from Painter advice from Roosevelt Barnes and everything else and I think part of you know his virtual radio silence and then what he was saying to the press and everything was to let the NBA teams know that yes he was indeed interested and you know I I can't claim to know if uh, he was going to come back all along or if it was a decision that was made just this afternoon but I would be willing to bet that uh, he he did take the feedback that he had been given and really evaluated it and I think that he was probably a little bit closer to coming back the whole time than we may have thought. But again, I don't know. I mean, the only person that you can ask that is is him. And as we learned last year with the recruiting process, he's going to be very tight-lipped until he makes his announcement. To be honest with you, I thought he handled this well. I mean, sure, mm-hmm. we disagreed with him in his statements when he said, oh, I'm, I will go if I'm going to be a six-year-old pick. But I think there he's just trying to show his confidence in himself, which could, in turn, you know, make an NBA team interested in him. Because, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, some of these undeclared are like, well, I'm not going to go if unless I'm a first-rounder. And so they might, they might not even invite him to camps or anything like that. And at the same time, too, I'm trying to remember, I think he got he injured himself a little bit before the combine. I think it was a calf injury, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. with the Spurs camp, I think it was. So they're probably, you know, he knows that that's what's bringing, that's what brought him down in the combine, and he knows I can do better than this. And I mean, there's no questioning his work ethic. He is the hardest working player on the team. Even Painter has mentioned that there's a reason why Painter starts him in every game, except one where he was injured. He's going to be even a stronger beast. 
this upcoming season because you know he's already going to hit the gym now and get ready for this upcoming season. His mind's going to be there to succeed. You know, I, th- I think it's going to be interesting because there was a lot of negativity even from Purdue fans with what he was coming back to like, oh, well, he couldn't shoot and uh, oh, well, he kept turning the ball over and everything else and oh, we don't need him if he's in it for himself trying to get to the NBA. And uh, Look at it this way. Are you really going to turn down a guy that is a true freshman led the league, led the Big Ten in rebounding for most of the season, and he almost averaged a triple-double. Are you friggin' kidding me that you don't want that coming back? I mean, seriously? Okay, yeah, there there were some issues and everything, but I feel like he has been put on, under a, a lot of pressure, probably more pressure than any recruit before at Purdue, at least in the last 20 years or so, because of simply he was a five-star and he was a top-ten guy and Painter got him. It's like, by the time he came to campus, people were expecting him to just easily drop 25-15 a game and just be unstoppable. And he had moments where he played like a freshman. And I think that if he is going to improve and become the first round pick that many scouts expect him to be, you know, we're going to be pleasantly surprised with that. And we're definitely going to like it because what do the scouts want? They want him to improve his three point shooting. They want him to improve his ball handling and taking care of the ball and becoming a more efficient scorer. Well, um, isn't that very, very good for Purdue? (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Yeah. And at the same time too, last year, the Big Ten in general was very veteran heavy. I mean, all across the college basketball. So these veterans, they know the mistakes that the freshmen are going to make, and they they were easily able to take advantage of that whenever Biggie had the ball, I think. Um, just trying mm-hmm. to call. I mean, it's been already, what, two, three months since the last time we saw Purdue basketball mm-hmm. play? So mm-hmm. now my, my mind's already fading on what, everything that happened there. So well, let, I got up his game-by-game uh, game stats here. L- the game that I felt like he played the absolute best in the one of those, holy crap, this is what this guy can do, it's got to be the Wisconsin game. Uh, at Mackey Arena, senior day, he had 27 points and eight rebounds to go with. Uh, he only had one assist in that game, but we he had 27 points. It was a very, very, very efficient 27 points. Six of seven from the floor, uh, one of two from three, so his only missed shot was from three. 14 of 17 at the line. I mean, that is a ridiculous line for a freshman. And you're telling me that another year of development, he can't have a couple more games like that where he's just going to get in that mode of, all right, I'm either going to score in the low block or get fouled. That's that's ridiculously good. You throw in, hopefully, some developed shooters around him and, well, still Isaac Haas. Uh, okay, now I'm getting too excited. I got to calm down. <laughs> calm me down. Hey, Purdue football starts in just over three months. Oh, like I said, didn't don't depress me, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it worked, right? You told me to bring you down. But also regarding that Wisconsin game, I think it's important to note too, he was playing the five position a lot because AJ and Isaac both got into foul trouble early in that game. Hopefully like I mean, that was a great performance, no doubt, but he wants to play the four and he wasn't producing those stats at the four position in that game. Um, it it also helps that that was a game where P.J. Thompson was six of eight from three. Oh, and yeah. Just absolutely <laughs> went crazy. Yeah, that game was an offensive explosion coming from two teams that were our traditionally defensive teams. It was great. It was a fun game to be at, but weird to see Wisconsin scoring more than 70 points. So, hey, but we scored over 90, I think, in that game, or over 80, definitely. So uh, It was 91 to 80 was the final. But that, that's just a prime example of what he can do. You know, I don't think he's going to be dropping 27 and 8 
on everybody, but you know, this is a kid that is, averaging a double double is not outside the realm of possibility, especially with how much better, how much more of the rebounding load he's going to have to carry because Hammonds is not going to be there to rebound. And Haas, right. that is one of his weaker spots for being 7 2. I don't understand it, but. It's more of his hands, I think. It seems like whenever Haas goes up for a rebound, it almost turns into a volleyball game. I mean, if Shondell has a spot for him, he can easily go play volleyball. Uh, mm-hmm. No doubt with that, but mm-hmm. I think we got spoiled because Hammonds had these great hands that whenever. I don't. I think he had like super glue on his hands. Like he was just mm-hmm. able to grab the ball one handed anytime. Because even his blocks, he would block it, and then he he still had the ball. It wasn't going out into the stands. So that's something that I think Haas needs to work on is maybe investing in Velcro hands or something. And I I, th- I think also with with Swanigan is you just look at how hard he works to be a rebounder. And oh, yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with that. You know. He fights his own teammates for the rebound, and I know. Right. Some people don't like that. I know Casey doesn't like it, but I think only two or three times has it actually only led to a turnover. So the other 90% of the time, it's he gets the rebound. Mm-hmm. As long as he works on improving, you know, improving the turnover problems and he becomes a better, more efficient shooter. And, you know, yeah, we're going to we're going to have him take outside shots. Why? Because he's going to have to take the outside shot at the next right. level. I can live with that. And you need your bigs to start taking the outside shot. That's just the way the game's going. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how it earned us in mm-hmm. the matchup. They had Bielfeld start taking three-point shots. That took Hammonds and Biggie and Haas away from the center. I mean, I don't think Swanigan's going to chuck up as many threes. He's going to be a bit more careful with what he's throwing up there. Yeah, he, he shot about two a game, and he was hitting 29%. You know, that's... You look at uh, one of the guys that I always compared him for, uh, to was the he gets the uh, Nimanya Chalishan two and only two attempts per game uh, and you remember that's what that's kind of what Chally had you know he would get two shots a game if he made them great if he only made one great but uh, <laughs> that is kind of what he was limited and Chalishan his last year 1.7 attempts per game shot 31 percent and you have Swanigan now at 29 percent as a freshman and I would say Swanigan's a much 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 better player <laughs> You know, if you if you could get Swanigan to improve to 35 percent, you know, from 29 to 35 percent, that's mm-hmm. going to make a difference. And don't forget, too, Hammonds, he didn't take a three point shot those first three years, I think. He was not allowed to shoot from behind the arc in senior year. Painter opened that up for him. And sure enough, he was actually pretty darn efficient. I mean, I doubt but, we're going to see that because Hammonds had a 60 percent three point shooting average, but he only took 10 shots. So, yeah, well, <laughs> your sample size is limited, but still, you know, yeah. Moving on just a little bit to players that are coming back. The other big news uh, broke on Monday or no? Yeah, was it Monday or Tuesday? It was uh, Tuesday the, yesterday. Yeah, John McKeeman, the other walk-on, is coming back for his senior season. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got that walk-on whiteout again, right? All right, there we go. Uh, but no, Vince Edwards back for his junior season, and this is a player that I think. It, it kind of is a make-or-break year for him. He went through the process here. He was able to work out for some NBA teams, get some feedback and everything. And for two years, he's been the, okay, this is the guy Purdue needs to be the breakout guy. And, well, we're saying it again. This is the guy Purdue needs to be the breakout guy. But, yeah, I agree. He's He needs to be that breakout guy. And we saw we saw that every now and then last year, too, especially when uh, maybe Biggie had some foul trouble and Vince had to slide into the four. But that was also due to the fact that 
you know, when Swanigan was off the court, then all the defenders focused on Hammond's or Haas, and no one was guarding Vin. So he had all the time in the world to take three-point shots and uh, drive to the basket as well. But it should be interesting to see uh, what happens this year. Uh, he's He is going to be a huge part for this team, I think. Um, unfortunately, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm blinking out right now in terms of words to say for Vincent Edwards. Vincent, uh, yes. It, it has to be Vincent now. Yeah, I keep forgetting to say uh, Vincent, and I know you keep tweeting Vince, and people keep calling you out on it. I think I think we'll get used to it. You you look at Vince's numbers here: second season, average eleven point three, five point four rebounds, two point nine assists, which is really good for a forward. I honestly thought he would excel a little bit more at the three. Now now we do have uh, some interesting lineups that we can do. He can go between the three and the four. His overall shooting percentage was down slightly it went from 48.2 to 45 three-point shooting though from 32.6 to 40.7 which is just phenomenal i mean you'll take that from anybody uh averaged about 3.2 averaged a little over three attempts per game but i think what we saw is there are just some times where vince is got a little bit of that Etwan red button DNA in him where he knows he's got to be that guy. Um, he doesn't have quite the ability to create the off the dribble that Etwan did, but he is the one of the few players that Purdue does that can create his own shot. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. If anything, he can be the most explosive player on the court for one play. I mean, we saw that at times last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, he will, like in the Vanderbilt game, he completely fooled that one defender, ran by him, and had an amazing dunk. And then again in Maryland, and again against Wisconsin. And Mm -hmm. again, I'm going to push. John Octius, if you're listening, please come back and challenge Vincent Edwards to a dunk contest. Like, we can sell out Mackey for that. Once we get a court, of course, but we can sell out Mackey for that. Uh, Looking at some of his individual games here, you know, it's just, I see a lot of the consistency. You you look at the rebounds, you know you're going to get five to eight rebounds out of him every night. You know you're going to get some you know, a regular number of assists. You know he, if he's not scoring, he can threaten to score. Um, The loss at Maryland, he had only nine points, but he had seven assists in that game. Uh, And then you just look at the NCAA tournament. He had a 24-13 against Little Rock. I mean, the guy did everything to win that game except for those last four seconds, but we'll look past that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Purdue kind of tripped over a Little Rock there. Yeah. Oh, oof. But I, I don't think his brain fart in the last four seconds was the reason that Purdue lost that game. Um, no. Oh, no. More like, you know, all the points that were given up in the last three minutes. But uh, that's a, there, we, we've ranted enough about that. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to get angry. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to have of, – of what Purdue has returning next season. And I think there's a lot of reasons to get excited because – there's only one scholarship senior on the whole roster. So you're looking at a team that not only can be really good next season with a front court that most teams would die for. There's a lot of experience that can still return even the next season. And Vince is one of those guys, uh, you know, he could be back for what could be a good team again in 2017, 18. But honestly, I would love to see him be able to declare realistically for the draft next year, along with Biggie, because if they're both able to declare next year, it likely means Purdue had a very, very good season, especially with uh, they still we have we barely addressed that they have a seven foot two monster that's standing behind them. 
uh, in Isaac Haas that it's, is a ridiculously it's really, efficient scorer. It's really hard to overlook Isaac Haas, literally. But we're, we're, we're doing that. I mean, you know, yeah. Isaac didn't declare for the draft. He didn't go through the process. And, you know, I don't think he's going to be able to replace A.J. Hammonds defensively because, hey, who can? Uh, but offensively, oh, my. And uh, that's part of the reason, uh, you know, I'm going back to the Little Rock game and getting frustrated. That's why I I was frustrated that he wasn't in there on the final play of the first overtime with 11 seconds to go. Who was going to stop him by if you gave him the ball on the low block? If Isaac Haas can develop the turnaround jumper that Hammonds mm-hmm. had, he will be unstoppable. Because especially now, like, the the way the game's going, it's... The refs hate big people now, so it's not as easy for him to just drive to lane and dunk because they're just going to call an offensive charge or whatnot these days. And that's what made Hammond so dangerous. Like, I think I was watching a clip of the game against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament, and that's how Hammond's just eat up the Wolverines. He would just... Donnell was trying to guard him, and it's like, okay, fine, I'm just going to turn around and give you a pretty little jump hook and get two points that way. Oh, yeah, and, and AJ was phenomenal in that game in the Big Ten tournament. Well, all our bigs were. I mean, because Michigan didn't have any. If only they had realized that in the second <laughs> game against Michigan in Ann Arbor, but that's a story for another time. Uh, so, uh, you know, we obviously have these high expectations going into next year, and a, uh, a big reason for those high expectations is the schedule. Uh, we got the schedule that people have been begging for for a long, long time. And that is, uh, you know, we get plenty of major conference opponents coming in. We have a now huge game at home against Villanova with most of their defending national championship team coming back. And uh, we and Golden Black Illustrated and everybody else got a little bit punked yesterday when they switched our ACC Big Ten tournament opponent to Louisville. I'm convinced Spike asked for that change. He wants revenge for the 2013 national championship game. (laughs) And I know Louisville is going to be scared of him because he dropped 17 in that game as a freshman. Unfortunately, Louisville did win the game. That's the the downside to that. For now, they can still claim it. Just a reminder for the Louisville game, it is now bring your own hookers. They they no longer provide them for you, as one of our commenters (laughs) noted. Well, I've always wanted hookers and Cristal in a party or... And as Bender from Futurama says, the Blackjack and Hookers. But yeah, Louisville, just one of many, many games that Purdue's going to have. I mean, you're looking at Louisville and Villanova as two potential Final Four teams that are on the non-conference schedule. And that's before we even get to conference play with Michigan State and Maryland and Wisconsin and everybody else. So this is, I mean, we are going to have one of the tougher schedules next year. And depending on how Purdue is able to handle that non-conference slate, it's going to build even more excitement for the regular seat for the Big Ten season. If Purdue can at least win one of the games against Villanova or Louisville, that would be a great boost for the tournament right. seating and stuff. Uh, right. But another thing I want to comment, I thought Purdue had it, had originally scheduled a good non-conference schedule last season. I mean, there was Florida, Pittsburgh, Butler, and Vanderbilt. And before the season started, those four teams looked to be pretty good. Sure, they're not 
Villanova or Louisville, who are potential Final Four Elite Eight teams, but they were like, most people were saying, okay, these guys are solid NCAA tournament bound teams, potentially Sweet 16, maybe they pull a few upsets, Elite Eight, and they all end up collapsing towards the end of the season. And I think only one of them didn't make it into the tournament. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Florida. Yeah, Florida did not make it. Uh, Vanderbilt was in the playoff game and uh, neglected to show as their results showed against against Wichita. But uh, Butler was in, and so was Pittsburgh. So, right. and I, but they were all quickly eliminated. So that's another thing too. You can schedule a good to great non-conference season, but sometimes the teams can end up collapsing. Mm-hmm. That's in control. I mean, we don't expect that from Villanova or Louisville mm-hmm. next year, but not something I like to keep people in mind when they like to complain about the non-con schedule some some things are just out of your control right and and even even the uh scrubs that purdue played like lehigh made the tournament or no no they didn't make the tournament they came oh, no, up they were short there was lehigh old dominion vermont there were a few others that were in their championship game for their conference and yeah lost. i think it was those three yeah those three were in the title game for their conference and lost so i mean and and that's the type those are the types of teams that i would like to play because y- if you're going to be a high seed that's the type of team you're going to play in the first round and anybody right. can get upset by anyone as we saw by uh, middle tennessee over michigan state this past year oh, and those teams too I think a lot of them seem to match evenly in terms of size with Purdue. I can't remember which ones had some pretty tall people on them, too. Maybe I think it was New Mexico State had some tall players on there. So And New Mexico is always a solid mid-major, too. So, uh, so uh, I think we've addressed pretty much everything that we've wanted to address, don't you think? I think so. Uh, any final thoughts for us before we sign off here? No, it's a good day, I have to say. AK usage was at a minimum. <laughs> yeah, so it's nice to see Swanikin coming back. Not not just for us selfishly at Purdue, but for him. I mean, I, I would have, if he had decided to go to the NBA, I would have cheered for him. I would have rooted for him, but I would have felt terrible if he didn't even get drafted. And right. Ended up in a D League, especially coming from his past. And it's like, for, I'm happy for him to, that he came to this decision. I'm happy that he took every minute he could to make that decision. Um, of course, I think he probably spent the last two hours trying to find his tweet from last year so he could reply to it. Um, beneath the pain, pointed that out that that's probably the reason why it took him so long uh, to make his decision. But I think he made the right decision here, and he did the right thing in taking his time and thinking it through. Yeah, and I think it was a wise decision, and that's not just saying it from a Purdue perspective of, hey, we get potentially one of the top players in all of college basketball back next season. Um, but uh I think it's a very smart decision for him for his future. This is a guy that's going to be, he's going to be playing basketball professionally somewhere, uh, very likely in another year. So uh, I want what's best for him and to make to, uh, it's nice to see him take his time, make that correct decision. And I'm wishing him the best going forward. Would love to see him just dominate and have a fantastic season. And as I said earlier, if he's ready to go next year and he plays to be a lottery pick, or higher, or even just a first rounder, that's Purdue's going to benefit from that. I mean, there's no way that they can't. It's nice to see that he's back and there's some excitement again. And I feel like maybe we just healed a little bit from, uh, from that little rock 
sting that's there. My guard is still up. It's going to be up for a while because of these last two years in the tournament, but it, it got a little bit easier today, I think. I guess that's it. So for Juan, myself, T-Mill here, we will be uh, signing off. We thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back here the next time that hopefully there's no other major news breaking, and, well, we do have football to talk about. So sorry to bring that on a down note, but <laughs> thanks for listening, and boiler up.